Welcome to Biz Bevs and Bites in the Burke and Beyond. Your hosts are Cindy Ellick and Kelly Commander. Each episode will feature a business topic and the best beverages or bites in the Pittsburgh region. Kelly and Cindy strive to bring engaging and educational business content to their listeners while highlighting Pittsburgh's exciting food scene. It's the happiest hour. Reserve your table today by visiting the show at bizbevsbites.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Hey everyone, welcome to Biz, Bevs, and Bites. My name is Cindy Ellick. Corporate trainer and motivational speaker MJ Calloway is an award-winning author of 11 books. Her sweet spots include increasing team resilience, crushing change, and boosting sales quotas. As a two-time cancer warrior and domestic violence survivor, she's known for shifting attitudes and producing results. MJ's sales experience includes selling three times her annual quota as the only female sales executive in the top five for a national builder. She is a certified sales professional, certified virtual presenter, past president of NSA Pittsburgh, and her current book, Bounce Up, Outpower Adversity, Boost Resilience, Rebound Higher, has been endorsed by the Healthy Workforce Institute's CEO. MJ lights a fire in her clients to crush change, outpower adversity, and increase results. My name is Kelly Commander, and welcome to the show, the fabulous MJ Calloway. Oh, thank you, Kelly and Cindy, for having me here. You know, sometimes when I hear that bio, I think, oh, is that really me? <laughs> Who are they talking <laughs> about? Did I do all that? <laughs> Sometimes we forget. Right. <laughs> Who is that person? No, that's fantastic. I, I could read your bio over and over or listen to it over and over mm-hmm. again a million times because um, both Cindy and I have had a long history with you as friends yes. and colleagues and all that fun stuff. And I just, I'm just so thrilled that you're here with us tonight. And one thing that I want to mention is, uh, do you all remember where we were at five years ago at this period of time in <gasps> September? The sales training. That's right. Yes, MJ sales training. Yes, wow. it was so much fun. The two of you were there with what 11, 12 other people. Yeah. Um, and it was right here in Pittsburgh. It was a live workshop for in five person. weeks in person. <laughs> you know, when we think about that, we had taken advantage, you know, we had taken it for granted being able mm-hmm. to meet in person. And we don't realize now, you know, how fortunate we were to be able to do that. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, we went to dinner afterwards. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, Facebook memories that are popping up all week. And, and you know, we're recording this in September and that's whenever this happened. But, you know, just the thought that that was five years ago, it seems like a million years ago, but yet it seems like yesterday. Wow. Right. So oh much has changed. Absolutely. And a month after that is when I was first diagnosed with the first prognosis of cancer. So I had cancer then and didn't even know it. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You know, thinking about that and thinking about what you have overcome, you know, I think that your sales background has a lot to do with frankly, selling yourself on getting better. Do, do you want to talk about that at all? 
Sure, I can jump into that. The Absolutely, because in sales, we're always selling ourselves. We're always selling our product. We're selling our service, whatever it is, the company we were with. We're also selling the people we're working with because it isn't only us. So when we think about if we come down with a disease or if we come down with you know, some type of adversity, we do have to pull out that mindset. We have to shift it so that we can form the words that actually help sell the recovery or the health or whatever that journey is to ourselves. And there were there was a lot of selling to myself during that journey. And you both have heard me talk about flip it. Flip it is definitely a technique that I had used to sell a positive transition or a positive shift or outcome, even words to myself rather than being stuck with any of that negativity. So you're absolutely right, Kelly. I have never thought about it, but we I was definitely selling myself on health. I was also selling the, the medical staff. And if it's okay to give you an example, I would love to give you one. That oh, works? for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Go right ahead. So the very first time I went in for chemo, which I called magic wand, you know, another way to flip it because chemo has such a negative connotation to it. So I always called it magic wand. So the very first time I went in, I was dressed. And when I call my signature outfit, and that is a pencil skirt, button down shirt, for that time because I had a port and they needed access to it. And then heels, uh, that's the way I went, you know, added the accessories to it. And the very first, within the first 15 minutes, one of the oncology nurses had said to me, you know, MJ, you're going to be here for seven hours, you know, hooked up to an IV machine. You probably want to come dressed, you know, more comfortably. And I looked at her and I said, this is a date with my future self. This is the way I am dressing for that date. And that was selling it to myself, but also selling it to the medical staff. And I I believe to this day, they had taken me more seriously because I was dressed every single time like that. Right. And you kind of treated it, MJ, like a a business meeting that you were going to every day. I sure did. It was definitely a business meeting. Mm Mm-hmm. And just just listening to you talk about um, the date with your future self. I mean, talk about really putting yourself like in that right mindset and frame of mind. Like, okay, this is what I'm going through today, but I am looking out in the future when this is behind me and I'm recovered and this is where I'm going to be at that point in time in the future. Yes. And I share in my trainings and whenever I'm working with clients, I always share with them, you know, think about where you want to be a year from now, three years from now, or five years from now. And look at the way you're dressed. Look at the way you're communicating. Look at the way you're acting, presenting yourself. Are you presenting yourself the way that you want to be positioned for three or five years out? Are you positioning yourself for the position you want five years down the line. And that, you know, so I do walk my talk. So whatever I share with clients, I either I'm doing currently or I have done it. So 
Yes, absolutely. Yep, that's great. Wow. Talk about bouncing up. Yes. Thank that you, Kelly. Is, <laughs> yes, that is one thing. And I have mentioned this more than once that I will never use the term bounce back. You have taught me that bounce back is actually kind of negative. If, mm-hmm. if you want to tell our, our audience about the bounce back versus bounce up um, situation, I think that is greatly appreciated. I would love to. So when we think about bounce back, and more often than not, when we are going through something, people will say, oh, just bounce back. Well, think about the inflatable punching bags that had sand or water at the bottom of them to keep them in position. And every time you punch it, it just bounces back to the same position. It never moves. It never grows. It stays stationary. It's status quo. Now think about a basketball player who bounces up higher than everyone else and he grabs that rebound and he pulls that ball down. Now he has control of the ball. He has control of the floor, the next play, and possibly the game. When we bounce up, we take control. We don't let the situation control us. We control what we can. Speechless. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly and I are speechless. That doesn't happen often or ever. (laughs) Forever. No, I mean, and for as many times as I have heard you say it through sales trainings and, you know, doing webinars and podcasts that I've listened to that you're on, it just, something hits me every single time that I hear it. And it's just, it's very enlightening and it's very energizing to hear a different spin on a term that has been used forever. Right. And it's a great visual because not everyone can, when you share it in words without giving a visual or an an analogy with it, it's hard to really comprehend it. But whenever you give that visual, people can really see the difference in their mind. And that's one thing, MJ, I think that you were just the master of verbally communicating and creating images as you articulate a message. And I remember from five years ago in, in the training, you, know, you told us about the, the creating the picture and taking the, the prospective client or buyer on, you know, the roller coaster ride, the ups and the downs. I, I mean, I remember all of that from, from the training and it's just still your, your words and your wisdom and your, your skills and your strategies that you share just still resonate today with me as they did five years ago. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you making that comment. I love using analogies because I believe it does help people visualize or comprehend whatever the principle is that I'm trying to share. Right. Oh, for sure. Because if you have something to relate it to, and if you, you hear a story that you can think about in your own personal life or your own professional life, it makes it so much easier to connect with someone and understand what they're telling you. Right. Absolutely. And it does go back to, you know, whenever you had mentioned in my bio about whenever I was in a sales position, I had worked out of a storefront. So whereas most people in the building construction industry, you know, they might have a model home or a design center. I had a storefront. 
So I had to use visuals to help paint the picture of the home that someone was going to buy. You know, I did have some photos of some houses that were done, but it was really painting that picture. So that also helped me increase being able to be more descriptive whenever I went into training in my own company. Wow, that's fabulous. Yeah, and that that leads me to to think about that because you really did have a lucrative corporate position in sales and you left that position and took the risk and started your own business. I did. And <laughs> friends and family thought I was crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. well, those friends and family think uh, us entrepreneurs are crazy when we do stuff like this. <laughs> they do. Mm-hmm. They do. Yes. So tell us about that journey or that that pivot point that you got to that you thought, you know what, this is great, but I can do something different or better on my own. And it came from a dark moment that gave me a purpose. So about 10 years ago, and the two of you know this story, I had left a long-term marriage because my former spouse um, had an alcohol addiction and lost control of his alcohol, common sense, and so forth. And I had joined a support group for family members, spouses, relatives, friends of people that had had an addiction. And there was one night where there was a woman there who she was physically abused. You knew it. You could see it from her face all the way through. And in talking, she had shared that she was not able to leave the marriage because she didn't have a way to provide a livelihood. And it was so heartbreaking because I had already left. And I was fortunate that I was able to sell. I had the sales skills to be able to afford a livelihood. And as you said, Kelly, it was definitely a very lucrative livelihood. And it haunted me. That night haunted me for the longest time. And finally, I came up with an idea that I would offer her and whoever else from the support group wanted to take a workshop and I would teach them the basics of selling. And what I did that made some of the strategies that I use that made me successful, that I was able to sell three times my sales quota. That workshop was, they appreciated, oh my goodness, the women, they were so grateful and so blessed for it. And I knew from there that I could do more for others. And I don't share this story very often. It it isn't even on my website, but that is really the pivotal moment. That was, it was a few months after that, I continued doing what I was doing for, for the, you know, my corporate position. And I knew that I needed to do something more, that there was more that I could do to help other people. And that's how MJ Calloway Training and Development came about. That, yeah. Again, Again we're rendered speechless. This is twice, <laughs> you know, in like 15 minutes. <laughs> but that's such a fantastic story. And it it's it shows who you are as a person, MJ. It's not just about the business. It's not just about work and sales quotas and three times your quota. It's about the person that you are inside. And that says a lot about you. Thank you. 
even in the position I was training others, you know, trying to help them when new hires came in, you know, here's some ideas that you want to do, try to avoid this. And it was a natural fit for me to move into having my own company. And that, I get such joy out of seeing someone who, and and I'll give an example. Early in my business, I had worked with a young woman who she was about two or three years out of college and she wanted to get married. She wanted to buy a house and her book of business, and she was in the insurance business, her book of business was $20,000 a month. Well, that wasn't going to get her to where she wanted to be. So she she came on with sales coaching and it was private individual coaching. And what was interesting was one of the things that I recognized right off was she struggled asking the right questions. She struggled asking questions beyond the typical script that she was given. Once we worked through those and she learned how to ask questions and how to dig deeper and how to find out, you know, the risk and the benefit and what they really wanted, her book of business in six months went from 20000 to 150000 a month. Wow. wow. I know. And That's impressive. What is so awesome is we're connected on Facebook and now she is married, she has a house and she has two little ones. And it gives me such joy to know that I helped her get there, you know, in some way, what she learned, what I was able to offer her, helped her get to what she wanted. And that brings such joy like it did in that room with the woman who were stuck and they needed a way to get out. Right. Um, That's just incredible. You have just such a skill and talent of showing people who are in, in sales, the way to, to better themselves and to, to coach them to, to greatness. I mean, I think that's what you did with this, this lady that uh, was in the insurance industry. You coached her to greatness. I didn't think of it that way, but thank you, Cindy. You're welcome, MJ. <laughs> I feel like you go from, from 20K to 150K. I mean, that's very, very impressive. That is substantial. Yeah. I still have her email. I kept her email. Well, of so, course you did. Because it was like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited yeah. for you. And that's amazing. And that's you're like amazing. the basketball coach. You're the yeah. person that teaches the people to take the rebound mm-hmm. and make the most of that play. It, it all comes back to the bounce up. Always. Mm-hmm. It does. Good connection there, <laughs> Kelly. So, so since we're talking about sales with you, MJ, um, we know that one of your uh, topics that you offer to discuss and do presentations on is called Why Call More People Isn't the Answer get engaged, get sales. Tell us a little bit more about that program. The And this goes back to what I have witnessed and what started this program was I was sitting in a coffee shop, a local coffee shop, and about three tables over, there was a sales manager and he, in a very loud tone, I won't say he was yelling, but it was on the border. He is saying to, it had to be one of his sales execs on the other end, saying, call more people, call more people, just call more people. 
sometimes that isn't the answer. And and I'm going to pull in a few statistics. 55% of salespeople lack basic sales skills. So think about that. That's more than half of people in sales. They lack the, the basic sales skills. And the national closing rate is only 27%. That's it. That's it. Whoa. That is it. So saying call more people isn't going to work. If someone needs more help actually learning how to close or how to ask questions like the woman I had mentioned, you know, or find out what does the person really want and how to ask those questions to find out what they really want. Not everyone has been has the gift of digging deeper or has the gift of curiosity. That is curiosity can be a gift, but it can also be a learned skill. And there are times where sales managers and company directors, sales directors, company owners, they really need to look at the sales skills that people have first in order to see what they really need. Because it could be a lack of a basic skill. Now, it could be something else, too. It could be something like resilience. They're they're not resilient. It could be a mindset issue. And here's a few more statistics with those two topics. Only 70% or sorry, 70% of employees today in the workforce are not resilient. That's a huge number. It is. And and anyone who lacks resilience, an employee, they're actually 55% lower in workplace productivity. Wow. So if they're having some issues, you know, you get the thing is sales. It is a hard industry. You know, there's a lot of rejections. And if a salesperson isn't resilient or if they don't have a more positive mindset, or they don't have the techniques or strategies to be able to flip it, they can get stuck, and they are stuck, and it's really hard to get out of it. I agree with that, MJ. And I'm thinking to myself, if 55% of salespeople lack the basic skills, and they're using the same scripts and the same talking points, and they're making, quote, more calls that's more failure because they don't have the knowledge and they don't have the right sales scripts. And like you said, the right digging that they're able to dig and find out what people really need. So, you know, they always say, when's the best time to make a sale right after you make a sale, you know, keep, keep the momentum going. Right. So when's the, when's the worst time to make a call when you don't know what to say every call? <laughs> like, right. So I just, I'm picturing a snowball. You can use this analogy next. I'm picturing a snowball that, you know, salesperson A starts calling some some people at the beginning of the day and they're failing. And every failure just adds to this snowball coming down the mountain. And by the end of the day, they're crushed. They get crushed by that snowball because they're just so put out by not being successful. It's a train wreck. Yeah. And that is why it is a turnover in sales is so high. Yeah. I mean, how can you just beat yourself up being told no 
call after call after call. So it, you know, a lot of people say that it is a numbers game, but it's really not if you're not I, I can't describe how I want to say. If you're successful in what you're saying, then yeah, you should be making more calls if you know what you're saying. But if you don't have the proper training, the more calls you make, the worse you make your day. Does that make sense? I, it it sure does. And I'll go back to the example that I, I gave you earlier with the woman. So she was getting no, 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 because she didn't know how to ask questions. So when she started to slowly learn, and we did it in stages, she would get more maybes and yeses. So it gave her a boost of confidence, but it was pinpointing exactly where she was losing the sale or how she was losing the sale. So in, if a sales director is saying, make more calls without stepping back, such as that the gentleman who was in the coffee shop, if he would have taken a step back and said, okay, let's walk through the conversation. Share with me what happened. Go through it. Find out what happened. Find out what part the person actually started to lose the sale. Because once you figure out where you're losing the sale, you can take a step back, go back and, and ask questions over again, you know, or stop the conversation right there and say something like, hold on a second. I feel like I'm losing you. Let's back up. You know, is there something you didn't understand? Can you give me a little bit more information? Stop the conversation there. Don't go all the way through to the ask. Stop that conversation to find out more information. So take a pause. Right. And as you were saying all that, MJ, the thing that resonated in my head was the curiosity comment that you made several minutes ago. That sales manager did not utilize curiosity with his salesperson to ask them questions and to dig a little deeper as to, okay, why is this, you know, why are you struggling? What, what is going on? So he sounds like he didn't have the right training either. And his team member didn't, doesn't, didn't have the right training, unfortunately. Exactly. And many times, and this comes from research, many times sales managers and sales directors are put in a position. They were great in sales. You know, they were high producing sales and then they get promoted into this position and they don't actually know how to train someone else. They know what they did, you know, so and what their sales managers might have done to them was make more calls. So, and that's a typical response that you do hear more often than you would probably want to hear. Yeah. I was on the receiving end of that. I had I had a sales manager once, and that is exactly what I heard. We'll make more calls. Well, wait a second. We're having an issue here because you just discontinued half our inventory. So, you know, like we need to take a step back here and look at that issue and how we're going to work around that issue. It isn't about making more calls. It's about taking care of this issue that just happened because you knocked out half the inventory. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I do have a question though, MJ, when it comes to sales trainings and how do you feel about the role playing for a sales manager to role play with the sales staff to, you know, pick up the phone from one office to the next and make a sales call to critique. Because I know I've had that happen to me and some of my friends have as well. And that puts a lot of pressure on the situation. What's the proper way to do a sales training like that? 
is that is there a proper way? Well, it is always best to have an outside person do role playing. Ha ha, interesting. Because the outside person will have patience. The outside person is not vested in incentives and quotas. So the outside person can have a bigger view. Usually, too, an outside person, such as a sales trainer, has worked in a lot of different industries, so can offer a little bit more in value than someone who is inside that company that has a narrow focus about the company and what they have. So an outside facilitator or an outside trainer usually works better. Now, if some if a company does not want to hire an outside, and remind me to give you a statistic about that next, <laughs> doesn't want to hire an outside trainer or facilitator, the next best is to have an inside mentor. Somebody who is a high producing sales exec to mentor someone who is struggling. Because if the person who is a high producer usually has tips that can help. They know some of the things that worked for them that they can share, and they'll have more patience than sometimes a sales manager or director. Because the sales manager or director, say they have 30 people on their team, they're making 30 calls. That's 30 times they're doing that role-playing. And by the end, they are not as fresh as they are in the beginning. Whereas if you do some mentoring and you pair up a high producing or an, or someone who might not be exactly top notch, but maybe a step down with someone lower, you know, in the sales, hitting sales quotas, that is, is great too. So, and, and sometimes it's better if it's outside the location. No, I agree with that because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than trying to do a sales training with your boss, your manager, the company owner, something along those lines, and you're watching every word you say because you're so paranoid that you're going to misstep or maybe be corrected in front of your peers too because I've had positions where I was expected to do the sales training as a group, and that's hard. That is. Mm-hmm. That is. And the worst thing, and I'll tell you something that happened to me, we were in a, it was a national meeting and we, so it was sales training and there was a gentleman there who did, he did like a personality training and he, I was one, there was one other person. He put us on the spot and he ripped us apart. (gasps) And I I will never forget that. I will never forget forget his name. And that isn't what you want to do. And my GM at the time said he, he on the way home, because we traveled, we traveled three hours to get to this training. And he said, Oh my goodness, I just wanted to rip him apart. And it was, I'm glad you didn't. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, I took it. Believe me, you know, it wasn't my best moment. But he had, even though I knew what he was looking for, he kept switching the script. So, and he was doing it to make a valid point to show that he needed to come back again. And that isn't anything, I mean, a good trainer, that isn't what a good trainer wants. A good trainer wants to see whoever they're working with succeed. They want to encourage them. They want to give them confidence. You know, the last thing that 
any trainer, you know, a good trainer would do is, is really makes someone not put someone in a good position. Right. <laughs> I won't me, go into other yeah, things. That. <laughs> well, belittling somebody, especially in a professional environment is not productive at all. And I'm speaking from experience when I make that statement. Yeah. Because I've been belittled uh, in different instances during my professional career, uh, you know, been in sales positions in, in corporate world. And, you know, being humiliated is not, you know, a, a way to motivate anybody, motivate <laughs> no. that person that's on the receiving end of that to, to do, do better. Uh, and to want to you know, strive for improvement. Right. And what was crazy about this is I was actually number three in sales. Wow. Number now, three. <laughs> now that you said that, do you feel as if this trainer felt that he had to, um, what's the phrase, knock you down a few pegs? Do you feel that he was the type of person, I'm assuming it was a man, I don't know, that was maybe the type of person that thought, oh, this this woman's doing too well. Let's see if we can rattle her chains a little bit and um, and get a reaction from her. I think it was more about making him look good so that he could mm. keep the consulting gig going. I think it was more about that. Interesting. I always like to think what makes people tick? What makes yeah. people do the things they do? You know, what's crazy is afterwards he came up and he hugged me. And he, he's like, I know he, he did. He came up and hugged me and he's like, MJ, no hard feelings. Right. And I'm like, I'm not going to use his name. None whatsoever. I said, you made a point. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you for taking the higher road. Don't know if I would have been able to do that in that scenario. I won't say what was going through my head. Oh, no. Oh, I always say that the, I was born in Glassport. I always say, don't make Glassport Kelly come out. <laughs> oh, that's too oh, much. MJ, you're always the person that you not only educate, but you entertain whenever you, you talk to people. It's yeah. always a good time. It's always good laughs. Cindy and I were looking so forward to speaking with you. And yes. of course- she did not disappoint. Now, did she, my friend? No, she did not. <laughs> well, thank you. You're Fantastic. Welcome. That's our other thing. Fantastic. And what's your word? It's awesome, right? It, absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. And it, you got to raise your fist when you say it too, because that was the whole video series yeah. that you had done for the 21 book. Absolutely. I know. I've been trying to switch to definitely, you know, just add a little variety here. Thesaurus is your best friend. As a writer, trust me, yes. <laughs> you know yes. this. I, I have, do. I have this. I type in the word T, the letters TH in my search bar, and thesaurus is the first thing that comes up every <laughs> single time. <laughs> so, Cindy, I think it might be time for the 412. I think it might be, Kel. Yeah. Do, do um, you want to take the lead on telling MJ about the 412? Oh, sure. What's the 412? Oh. It's, it's something that's super exciting. As you fun. know, yes, as you know, as a Pittsburgher, 412 is the original area code of the Pittsburgh area. And because we like to make sure that we always talk about food in most of our episodes, we are going to ask you the 412 about your dinner table. Are you ready? I'm ready. I hope. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Sin. You can do the four. All right. So MJ, for the four, 
we would love to know what are four things that are must-haves in your salad. Okay. In salad, I eat every single day. Arugula. (laughs) (laughs) So arugula, tomatoes, mushrooms or broccoli, one or the other, um, and then um, parsley or basil. Basil is my other one. So basil has a lot of benefits to it. And I do know that you are big on the fruits and vegetables and your vegetable garden that you did this past winter into summer during the pandemic was just incredible. And Cindy, I don't know if I told you, but we actually reaped the benefits of that because MJ gave us some plants. Oh, (laughs) nice. Yes. I have more than enough to share. (laughs) Well, and and we should also share with with our listeners that MJ's garden that she cultivated uh, this year during the pandemic is on her deck on, on her condo. So it's not like she has acres in a right. farm. <laughs> that is right. It is a 14 by, oh, maybe it's 11 by 14, 11 by 17. I don't know right. what it is, but it isn't very big. And I actually had to take my table and six chairs down to a table and two chairs to make oh. room for all of my containers and grow bags. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. Absolutely. Okay, now. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. The one of the 412, and I'm curious about this one for Mm -hmm. sure. What is one food you will not eat? Wings, without a doubt, wings. Chicken wings. Correct. Interesting. But you do eat chicken. I eat boneless organic chicken. Oh, so until we find... my kids will tell you wings are not wings if they're boneless, they're nuggets. But until we find a wing joint that does organic boneless wings, quote unquote, then there there are no wings for MJ. That's interesting. Everybody no has their wings. thing. Yeah. All right. So so for our listeners, if you are a, a restaurant that produces organic boneless wings, <laughs> you need to reach out to Kelly and I at bizbevsbites.com. Send us an email at info at bizbevsbites.com. And we and will MJ connect will you. Be there. Exactly. <laughs> right. We will connect with, you with, with Kelly MJ. and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and MJ, I, I you know, know the reason why you have a salad every day and the vegetables and whatnot. I mean, being a two-time cancer survivor, I recall you sharing with me whenever you were going through that journey, round one, that you totally revamped your diet and how you ate during during that time. I did. And that's my garden. My deck garden mm-hmm. is all organic soil, all organic seeds. Okay. So I try to buy as much as I can that's organic. So I try to not use anything that has, in fact, all my cleaners are organic. I don't use anything that has um, any type of toxins in them. And I try to eat as organic as I can farm to table. And it is a little difficult whenever I go out to eat. So I am aware of what I am eating. I don't eat um, red meat. You know, I prefer turkey over chicken, but I'll eat chicken. Seafood, I'd love it if it's farm raised. So right. the, but, and, and mostly vegetables and fruits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. That is. So the two of the 412 MJ, what are two toppings that you would love to have on your pizza? 
and I'm going to guess it's a veg. They're, they're both going to be vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> they will be vegetables, and, yeah. and your audience will hate me because I'm no. going to say I don't eat pizza that often. However, when I do, and I do, I will have it if I'm going out with friends and we're doing pizza. So it is mushrooms because mushrooms are really good for us. And it is green peppers. Yum. Yes, that is delicious. Mm-hmm. I, I would definitely enjoy that pizza with you, MJ. I think Cindy would too. Yes. Or we could oh. do a white pizza and do tomato yeah. and basil. Basil. There yes. you go. Margarita pizza. I, oh, I will flat, do that too. And flatbread. I will do pineapples on pizza. Ah. That's one thing I haven't tried yet. I spoke about that in an earlier mm-hmm. episode that I have not tried that yet, but I love pineapple. So there's no reason why I wouldn't enjoy that, but I right. just haven't done it. My family's not that adventurous. It's good on pizza. We'll have to get some uh, pineapple pizza somewhere, Kel. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> MJ, any final thoughts for the listeners when it comes to sales? The, sure, I'll give you a final thought. The one, whether you have a team or you are the sales executive or you're a an owner who has a sales team, think about engagement. Engagement with the customer, but engagement from owner or sales manager to your sales team. Yeah. When you have them engaged, rather than telling them what to do, when you engage them and a conversation that will help them become better, you will get better results. So, and that's, you can engage them in so many ways. You know, one, find out if there's a mindset issue. You know, dig down there. And if there's a mindset issue, find out how you can overcome it. Or create a challenge. Like challengers are fabulous. You know, make it a five-day challenge where you're challenging your team to do something specific. And I have ideas on that because I am in the process of creating a new program called the 21-Day Sales Dare. Oh. Wait, the 21-Day Sales? D-A-R-E, but I'm probably going to call it challenge. The 21-Day Sales Challenge. Gotcha. So every single day, there will be an action to take in order to make it a challenge to be more engaged in the sales process. Anything with 21 is right up my alley. So I will be (laughs) reaching out to you, MJ. Sounds like a plan. Yes. Well, as no surprise, this was a fantastic time with you. We spent the happiest hour with MJ Calloway. Yes, we did. And it went by too quickly. Yes. (laughs) Too, too quickly. (laughs) Thank you so much, Cindy and Kelly, for inviting me. And cheers to both of you. Cheers Cheers to you. Thank you for being on the show with us, MJ. We greatly appreciate it. But most importantly, I'm going to speak for myself. Appreciate your friendship throughout these years. Mm -hmm. Likewise, Cindy and Kelly. Absolutely. All right, guys, it's Kelly and Cindy signing off with MJ Calloway. Hi, it's Kelly Commander with K2 Creative and PR. Did you know that there are over 4 billion social media users worldwide and that 74% of Americans are active on at least one social media platform? Sure, you've heard that content is king, but most people don't know how to write effective content to be included in a public relations campaign. K2 Creative and PR has you covered for everything content-related, from social media management to public relations campaigns and more. Visit k2creativellc.com for more information. K2 Creative and PR, we make your message matter. 
Thank you for listening to Biz Bevs and Bites. The podcast is brought to you by Cindy Ellick Marketing Group and K2 Creative and PR. Come back and join us for the happiest hour. Reserve a table by subscribing to the podcast on all major sites and make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about the show, your hosts, and how to be featured by visiting bizbevsbites.com. <laughs>